You're listening to Language Nerds to Earth, a podcast about linguistics, culture, travel, and how they're all connected. Now it's time to meet your language nerd hosts. One in China, one in Spain. It's Patrice and Rachel. This is episode number 26. Yeah. And happy almost Halloween. True. And when we release this, it will really almost be Halloween, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I love the fall, partly because that is my birthday season. My birthday is next month. Very cool. Happy early birthday. <laughs> Thank you. We're not German, so we can do that. Right. Referencing our episode where we found out that Germans do not wish each other happy birthday before their actual birthday. I believe that was episode number 24. Mm-hmm. It's bad luck. But in the U.S., we like to make sure there is as much celebration of ourselves as possible. Definitely. Celebrate your whole month. Basically. And yeah, um, I have a friend here who has a birthday this coming weekend, and uh, we just threw a party for her last weekend. She went to the UK for a little while, and people there threw a party for her, and uh, she just reached out to like the party group yesterday and was like, hey, my birthday is this weekend. Does anybody want to go out for drinks? And I was like, dude! <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. She's just going to celebrate all year. Why not? Exactly. I wholeheartedly support that. (laughs) Celebrate me. Today we're going to talk about fall festivals in the spirit of the season. Yeah. Really exciting stuff. Yeah. And this is like the fall version. Mm -hmm. We did a spring version about spring festivals in the spring. Surprise, surprise. And... (laughs) When did we do it, Rachel? I believe it was springtime. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. <laughs> so this is the new version, Festivals 2.0. Yep. And we are going to try to take you all over the world for festivals. I wanted to, we tried to keep to a particular festival theme. It turns out there are a lot of different reasons to celebrate in the fall, but we're going to Start in Latin America, make our way to Europe, and then we're going to talk about some celebrations in Asia. There aren't a lot of celebrations at this time of year around the harvest in the Southern Hemisphere. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this does make sense that it's more Northern Hemisphere oriented. Yeah. No, I actually did ask my South African friends if they had a fall festival around our springtime uh-huh. and they said no oh so okay although india bridges the equator oh yeah there are a lot of festivals in india so first we have some language news yeah if you follow us on instagram you will have seen this week that put up a little teaser on this like i do every week mom and dad are almost universal sounds. Mama and Papa. Mama and Appa. Right. Why is that? Is it because our ancestors originally said mom and dad and we just never changed it? Interesting question. Hmm. But actually, the answer is no. <laughs> That's not why. <laughs> yeah, so what is the reason? So the answer lies with babies and how they start to talk. So this article comes from The Atlantic, 
And there's a linguist named Roman Jakobson, Jacobson, Jakobson. And he looked into this and he said, if you're a baby making a random sound, the easiest vowel to make is ah, because, you know, you can just open your mouth mm-hmm. and don't have to put forth any energy to make that sound except for just air going through your vocal cords. And then if you're going to vary anything, when you make the sound ah, you might close your lips and so you have the sound mm. And then you get a string of ma, 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 you know, just to keep right. going. So babies who are, quote unquote, speaking like that, they're actually just playing. But it sounds like the word mama. So if a baby is to address somebody, the most likely person that he or she is addressing would be the mother. So mama, mother. Or amma, mama. And then we have a word that means mother. So it's actually like the first mm. kind of sound that we can make. And then the second sound is like a p or a d sound or a b or a t. Mm-hmm. So then if we're going to address another person, it'll probably be the second caretaker, which would be the dad. So let's see. Papa and Dada happened for a similar pan-human reason. After babies begin making M with their lips, they pick up making a sound that involves little more than just putting their lips together, namely putting them together, holding them that way for a second, and then blowing out a puff of air. So that's P or B. Right, which is a, it's called a plosive Mm -hmm. um, consonant. Yeah. Instead of, I think it's called a labial. Okay, yeah, that's right. Um, That's right. And then another way babies start playing with their lips is they play with the ridge behind the upper teeth. And that's how we make a t or a d sound. That's why the sounds are so similar in many different languages. Yeah, and it's something that I was really surprised actually when I was learning Korean that the word was so similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because a lot of vocabulary is quite different. Mm-hmm than European languages. Right, yeah, that's a good point. But that was pretty similar. Yeah, in Chinese too, in Mandarin it's mama and baba. That's so cool. Uh, A few different languages. Um, Swahili, mama and baba. Philippines, Tagalog. Nane and tate. Fijian, nana, tata. (laughs) Yeah, mama, baba and Mandarin. Chechen and the Caucasus. Nana and da. Native American languages. We have Eskimo. Anana and Atata. Another one in Louisiana is Mama and Tata. El Salvador, Nan and Tata. So it's really just like very, very, very similar across all of these incredibly different languages. Really across the board, it's quite fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, Mama is usually the first word or one of the first words because it is easier to pronounce Mm, yeah so moms kind of always win you know (laughs) yeah exactly dads are always getting mad but is harder to say than interesting what was your first word i don't know actually oh really you know what your first word was my parents have told me that the first words i said were what's that what's that yeah like what's that that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll have to ask my parents what my first word was. Yeah, that's a really important thing to know about yourself. Yeah, like blood type, and I also don't know that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, seriously, Rachel, get your shit together. <laughs> yeah, really cool stuff. What was your first word? Tell us in the comments. 
if you know yeah or if you're like me ask your parents yeah then. ask your parents find out <laughs> and then tell us well so i'm incredibly jealous of people who live in mexico so let's start off with day of the dead cool so day of the dead or dia de los muertos is a two-day festival i've also heard three i don't know mm. anyway mm. It's a two-day festival celebrated in Mexico. And during this time, you're kind of honoring your ancestors and your deceased family members. Mm -hmm. So you might think that this is kind of a sad holiday, you know, and it's like, oh, gotta remember. But no, it's actually quite a big party and it's really colorful. There are special foods that you eat mm -hmm. and everyone goes to the graveyards. They make altars in their houses mm -hmm. that are really elaborate. Like you may, may have the person's favorite food or, you know, something that they liked. And yeah. And then they go to the graveyards or the cemeteries and it's kind of like a party there, yeah? Yeah, it's a celebration of their ancestors' lives. Which is really, really cool. Yeah, it looks so much fun. Actually, um, two pop culture references. Did you see the James Bond movie with Day of the Dead? Yes. <laughs> oh my god, it was so cool. So apparently Mexico doesn't usually do parades for Day of the Dead. Okay. But in the James Bond movie, they do. And um, it was so cool that I don't know if they actually did it, but they announced that they were going to start doing parades, like in James Bond. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> With those huge skeleton balloons. Oh, it would be so cool to be in Mexico for Day of the Dead. <laughs> but another movie, Coco, I'm sure a lot of people have seen that. Have you seen it? I haven't, but I have been wanting to. It is so precious. <laughs> the most precious Pixar movie i've seen in a long time animated but i hope this is right they explained that you know you have to put up your ancestors image on the altar in your house because if you don't put up their image then they won't be able to cross over and visit you in the graveyard when you're going to hang out in the graveyard so uh, cool yeah it's really really interesting so they have an ofrenda, the offering, and it says every ofrenda offers four elements, water, wind, earth, and fire. Water is left in a pitcher so the spirits can quench their thirst. Papel picado, or traditional paper banners, represent the wind. Earth is represented by food, especially bread, and then candles are often left in the form of a cross to represent the cardinal directions so the spirits can find their way. Yeah, and so... There is a typical sweet, right, that you eat. Is it calaveritas de azúcar? Yeah, that's okay, it. Okay, <laughs> okay. So calaveritas are little skulls, yeah? Little skulls, yeah. Of sugar, yeah. And <clears throat> yeah, and so they're little sweets and they're really typical on that on those days. Yeah, skulls are usually like a morbid symbol, but um, in Day of the Dead, they're a whimsical reminder of the cyclicality of life. I think that's a good description. Yeah. Day of the Dead kind of skulls. They're so cool. Right. And people, like, paint their faces and everything. Mm -hmm. like, or have, like, masks. Yeah. No, I think it's usually face paint, right? I think so. That sounds right. So, 
It's pretty cool. It's really, really elaborate. Yeah, it looks really beautiful. Cool. So should we talk about the next one in Latin America? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Argentina, actually. Argentina is technically very much on the southern hemisphere. Yeah, it's the last Sunday in February. Interesting. Kind of like time zones, except really extreme. Yeah. <laughs> like six months. <laughs> but anyway, so this is a fall festival in Argentina, and there is a group of festivities that are celebrated all over the 18 different regions in the Mendoza province. Actually, it's during December, January, and February, but a lot of it is a harvest festival. It's called the National Grape Harvest Festival. So there are actually a lot of different events that comprise the National Grape Harvest Festival, but a big part of it is each region, which is called a department, elects their own grape queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So they have a parade, right? Mm -hmm. And each of the queens is on this, like, float. Mm -hmm. And so it's decorated, like, kind of representing that department or that region. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's basically like a parade and it's kind of celebrating, I guess, the diversity of the province. Right, and celebrating the grape harvest for making wine. Right. Which is why I chose this one. And as well, beauty. Right, 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 beauty. Yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> but mostly one. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of different parts of it, you know. There's mm -hmm. things showcasing food, different traditional food or craftsmanship or folk shows, mm -hmm. music. It's like a whole thing that goes on for a couple of months, which is really, really cool. Yeah, definitely. And uh, at the end is a huge fireworks show. Um, at the beginning, mm -hmm. there's a show with dancers throwing water around. It looks really beautiful. Yeah. I would like to go check it out. The Greek theater in the Mendoza province, apparently, is where a lot of it is held. And maybe we'll put up a picture on our show notes that you can see because there are just so many people dancing. It looks like a really, really huge event. Yeah. Around this, like, man-made lake. Yeah, it looks awesome. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll live there next. <laughs> so, yes, that's Argentina. So let's travel north a little bit mm -hmm. to the northern part of the American continent. Mm, yes. To... USA and Canada. Yeah, so this is for our international listeners. Thanksgiving hasn't actually been celebrated for that long, right? Right. I think it's been an official holiday since Lincoln's presidency. So in the US and Canada, we have Thanksgiving, which is basically a type of a harvest festival, I would say. Mm -hmm. And while the kind of history, I would say, is a little bit maybe not greatest thing to be associated with mm. i would say the the <laughs> modern connotation is something about you know giving thanks and really taking a day to be with your family and be appreciative of everything they have going on in your life mm -hmm. and your like food and health and yeah. Yeah. And all over North America and Europe and even Asia, people have given thanks for bountiful harvests. Yeah. So the Native Americans did it before the Europeans arrived on the continent. 
and Europeans did it as well, especially Christians who settled more in the in the Americas first. They were especially practicing because they wanted to give give thanks to God for their harvests. I mean, we hear the the story that's like the first Thanksgiving, yeah. which <laughs> not really clear if that actually happened. Right. So if you haven't heard it before, if you didn't grow up in American schools, we are taught as kids that the first Thanksgiving is when the pilgrims and the Native Americans ate together in thanks for a bountiful harvest for the year. Right, like the Native Americans helped the colonists mm-hmm. at Plymouth, mm-hmm. and and then they all sat down together. Yeah, and all the pilgrims wore um, hats with buckles on them as well. Yeah. <laughs> and little black shoes. Also had buckles on the shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know so, the history of the pumpkin pie? No. Do you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, actually, I just know that people would take a pumpkin and they would open it and then they would put in a bunch of spices and then they would roast the pumpkin okay. and then it would be delicious because that is delicious. And then <laughs> the, and then people would eat it. That's that's all I've got. Very cool. I'm very passionate about pumpkin pie. Let's actually compare it like... Because everybody kind of has their own thing. Mm-hmm. There's a general thing. Like, I'm pretty sure everybody has turkey. Yeah. Cranberry sauce. Yeah. Mashed potatoes. Yeah. Um, what else do you have? Well, stuffing. Stuffing is a big thing. Oh, stuffing. Oh, my God. Yes. So stuffing is bread, other foods mixed. It's just like a hodgepodge of delicious food. Yeah, and usually it goes inside the bird. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, I don't eat it that way, but... <laughs> It is eaten that way. Uh, Some kind of vegetables. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. In South Korea, we had a Thanksgiving, and the place I worked, the school, ordered a frozen turkey with stuffing inside, which was very nice. Then they cooked it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at lunchtime, I was eating the turkey. And uh, I went to get some stuffing, and it was still frozen at the end. It was really sad. Ah, gross. Sad, sad story. (laughs) Frozen stuffing, not delicious. (laughs) No, 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 no. But anyway, yes, um, some kind of vegetable. And then pies afterward. Pumpkin pie. Pie. Apple pie. Oh, sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes, sweet potatoes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sweet potato pie or sweet potato casserole mm-hmm, or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Sweet potatoes are a big part of Thanksgiving for sure. Yeah. It's a lot of kind of seasonal foods, mm-hmm. you know, like pumpkin, sweet potato, Regular potato, mm-hmm. turkey. Well, that doesn't really matter. But, yeah. Uh, cranberries. <laughs> or, oh. oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of root vegetables. Mm-hmm. I love Thanksgiving I know, so much. me too. I love it. I need to make sure that I'm going to eat a real Thanksgiving dinner. I'm sure there are restaurants around here that do it. Yeah. <laughs> do they have that in yeah. Madrid? Uh, I don't know. I always cook. Oh, that's um, nice. A lot. <laughs> Awesome. Cool. Yeah, Thanksgiving revolves around food, in case you couldn't tell. We care a lot about it. Usually, people go home for Thanksgiving in the U.S., 
and we just eat with our family and then we do it all over again one month later for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, in Canada they do it in October. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. Yeah. Like about a month earlier. Mm-hmm. That makes sense because the harvest is earlier in Canada. Yeah, true. Cool. Well, let's move on to Europe, shall we? Yes. So there's this really interesting link that Rachel found from the History Channel about Halloween in Europe. I love Halloween. It's like one of my favorite holidays. Seth and I always (laughs) dress up in some kind of couple Halloween costume. So this year we're going to be Star-Lord and Gamora. Really excited about that. I'm going to be green for Halloween. <laughs> so basically, we think of Halloween, we think of pumpkins, costumes, scary ghosts, whatever. Mm-hmm. But Halloween actually dates back to an ancient Celtic festival mm-hmm. called Samhain. So that was celebrated on November 1st. And so this day kind of marked the end of the summer and the harvest and the beginning of the dark, cold winter. Mm. And they also believed that the night before the new year was the night that spirits were most able to be present. Mm. So that's how we get kind of that whole scary notion. Um, Spirits and ghosts and witches and... In Mexico and in Europe, there is that kind of like that came yeah and actually in spain a little bit they do celebrate to an extent the first not the same way as in mexico but it is sort of a similar thing of honoring the ancestors some people go to the cemeteries Hmm. so it might have been imported and then jazzed up ah that makes sense that's pretty cool well spanish (laughs) know how to party but i feel like mexicans really know how to party yeah Definitely. So how do people celebrate in Europe now? So, well, the way that Halloween is celebrated, people will dress up in costumes, but the costumes have to be scary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, to me, I don't like to dress up scary, so... Yeah, I never have. I just don't dress up at all. Yeah. Because I don't want to have, like, blood dripping out of my mouth or something like that. Were you always a princess? Not a princess, no. Um... <laughs> But something fun, yeah, you know? Yeah, me too. I was often a princess as a child, um, <laughs> and now I'm always something fun. I don't think I've ever been, like, just a witch, you know? Well, actually, last year I kind of dressed up as a witch okay. for work. My sense. boss told me that I could dress up as a witch, and I had a witch hat, and I was like, okay, sure. So I just <laughs> wore a dress that I already owned. Nice. <laughs> that I would normally not have worn to work, Yeah. But anyway. That's pretty cool. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering if I should use my... If I have any green body paint left over next week, maybe I'll put it on for the kids at school. They'd probably really like that. (laughs) Unless it's too hard to get off, and then I won't. Well, you have to let us know. Mm -hmm. And yeah, people celebrate kind of the same way as in the U.S. They drink a lot, and it's just an excuse to get sloppy, really. (laughs) But there's no trick-or-treating, is there? It's becoming a thing with kids. Okay. Like, every year more a bit. Mm-hmm. But when I talk to people who are my age, they're like, oh, we didn't do that. Yeah. But now kids are doing it. That makes sense. It's kind of becoming a thing in China, too. <laughs> yeah. It's just such a fun thing. I mean, Yeah, it's cute. I did an introduction to Halloween lesson the other day in my second grade class, and my students were like, well, they knew about it already. I was like... 
Halloween, and they were like, Happy Halloween, trick or treat. And I was like, Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I usually have to teach them everything, but it's one of the things that everybody already knows. And um, going to the grocery store here, Carrefour, which is kind of like the European Walmart, I've seen like little trick or treat baskets. And, like, scary decorations, so. There you go. Yeah. It's such a fun holiday. I do, too. <laughs> and the first is a is a holiday in Spain, so that's, that's great. fun. That's great. Yay. <laughs> there are also some harvest festivals in Europe. Actually, I've heard Oktoberfest is kind of a harvest festival. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Oktoberfest. Unfortunately, it's actually held in September, um, it's very confusing, <laughs> especially because it's not even like Oktoberfest has a different name in German because it's still Oktoberfest. <laughs> so it does, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. But the whole thing revolves around beer, obviously. And people who don't know how it's set up, it's basically a lot of different beer tents selling their beer. And you can reserve a spot at your beer tent. It's expensive. It's really expensive. And you have to book it way, way, way in advance, like six months, a year in advance. Yeah. It's intense. But each tent has enough room for three to 10,000 people. The largest tent is the Vincere Fende Paulana tent. Some of them serve beer from steel barrels. In the Augustina tent, you can get beer from a wooden barrel, apparently. So you drink beer all day, but you also eat German sausages and pretzel or pretzels, which are just, I mean, German food is not like really famous for being healthy and super delicious. <laughs> but one thing that yeah. Germans can do right is definitely pretzels and sausages. Mm. Oh, yeah. Pretzels, man. Love them. I know. I can't get enough of them. We have an Auntie Anne somewhere in Shen Shen. I'm going to go find it. <laughs> Yeah, I had so many when I was in Germany. Mm -hmm. But one of my favorite of the other harvest festivals was in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. So people decorate their cows with flowers. And they have cowbells and they have like a little parade with them. Yeah, actually we have a little clip of... The sounds that the cows make as they're walking. And their bells are enormous, actually. They're not like these little bells. They're like these huge... Like down to their almost knees. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they look super uncomfortable, actually. But yeah. they make kind of a cool sound as they walk past. So we'll play that. So throughout Europe, there are lots of different harvest festivals. And similar to what we found in the spring, that they were thanking the gods or being thankful for basically the winter being gone. In the fall, they're being thankful for good harvest and the year. Yeah, the bounty that they have been able to grow. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things to do as a kid, actually, this was when I was living in upstate New York. I don't know why I remember this so well, but we would go on field trips to like an apple orchard and harvest apples. Cool. And those apples were so good. 
So now we're going to move on to Asian fall festivals. There are three that I have been around for. I've been around for one in Thailand, one in China, and then one in South Korea. Although I was traveling always in South Korea during their harvest festival. But did you get to see any of the harvest festival events in South Korea? No. Well, let's start with that one. Let's start with the Korean one. Sure. The Korean fall festival is called Chuseok. It's actually really frustrating for me. We've talked a little bit in the past about how Koreans are kind of exclusive and not really open to foreigners, Mm -hmm. like outsiders coming in and celebrating with them or being close with them unless you have like a romantic relationship with them. Right. But Chuseok actually has some beautiful traditions that I never really saw because they're so closed off. The idea of Chuseok is to honor ancestors and deceased relatives, and it also brings the family together because Koreans work a lot. They work long, long hours, and Chuseok is a national holiday. The government tries to make sure that the days that it's celebrated are not in the middle of a week. You get like a four-day weekend or a five-day weekend. Right. So people go back to their ancestral village and they go to the graves, which they clean. Mm -hmm. And they also have a ceremony, kind of like in Mexico. Mm -hmm. They have an altar for their ancestors. And so it's called charia. Charia. But rice is placed on the northern end of the table, fruits and vegetables are on the southern end, meat is on the western end, and then rice cakes and drinks are on the eastern end. Rice cakes are the super, super sticky food. Sometimes they're sweet, sometimes they're savory. They're a delicacy in Korea. I think probably another really common thing that you eat during this time is persimmons, because it's persimmon season. When I eat it, it kind of reminds me of cinnamon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also during this time, people will wear traditional clothing called hanbok, and they have a big feast. So in that way, I'd say it's a little bit like Thanksgiving as well. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. call it Korean Thanksgiving. Right. That's like how we interpret it, basically. Right. Hanboks are very different from like traditional Japanese or Chinese dress. Mm-hmm. They actually look like they would be super comfortable for a pregnant woman because they stop like right above, like at the top of the chest and then just go down in like like a ball gown style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd say it's kind of got similar aspects to Thanksgiving and also to Day of the Dead where they're honoring the ancestors. Right, exactly. Another tradition that takes place during Chuseok apparently... I say apparently because I I wish I had learned this when I was in Korea, but men wrestle in something called serum. It looks kind of like sumo wrestling because it's really, really large men who wrestle, but there's no slapping. In sumo, there's slapping. Okay. In serum, they're like holding on to each other and bent over and like holding on to their each guy's... Belt? Belt. Yeah, belt. <laughs> Yeah, the first person to hit the ground, or to touch the ground, is out for the round. Mm, okay, very cool. Mm-hmm. And then what the women do is they have this dance called Gang Gang Sule, and we have a little audio clip of that as well. They're dancing in a circle, and it's actually really cool. I'm 
You've been in Thailand for this festival. Mm-hmm. Lake Ratong. Actually, I should say that all of Asia works with the lunar calendar a lot. Mm-hmm. And Chuseok takes place on the 15th day of the 8th month on the lunar calendar. And actually, that's the same day as the Chinese Mid-Autumn Festival. Mm-hmm. But Loi Kratong takes place on the evening of the full moon of the 12th month in the traditional Thai lunar calendar. So usually it's in November. Oh, okay. And a Kratong is a piece of banana leaf, traditionally. Sometimes people use bread or styrofoam. And they put flowers on it. So everybody has their kratong, and then they set it off down a river. And it's supposed to clear you of misfortune and give you good luck for the coming year. Mm, Cool. So kind of like out with the old, in with the new. Exactly, yeah. And it's really beautiful. It's done in the evening, and so a lot of times there will be these ponds full of them. In Chiang Mai, the festival lasts three days. It's really pretty. That sounds really pretty. So we've got one more. And this one is in China. So the Mid-Autumn Festival, which is celebrated at the same time as Chusak, started as a celebration of a bountiful harvest, but now activities include consuming mooncakes and lion and dragon dances. Yeah, um, I think the lion and dragon dances are in more traditional parts of China. I really, really tried to find a lion dance this year during the mid-autumn festival, but I couldn't find one. Oh, but, man. But there's a lot revolving around the moon. People really, really celebrate the moon during this time. They'll go to the park. Like, the park was super crowded across from where I live so that families could go to the park and look at the moon together. Oh, that's cool. So what did you do during this time this year? Well... First, I'll tell the origin legend. This story suggests that the moon goddess was the life of an archer. And one day there were like 10 suns in the sky, or there were a lot of suns, and the archer shot down all but one of the suns so that we could still have light. And as a reward for shooting down all of these suns, he was given a pill of immortality. So he kept the pill at home because he was like, okay, this is great, or this medicine, you know, but I, I don't want to take this. I, I will just keep it in a safe place. But he had a student who was evil and wanted to take the pill when he wasn't home. And so the archer was gone one day and his wife was home and the student came to take the pill and become immortal. So to protect it, his wife took the pill instead. And then she flew to the moon and so then the archer would look up at the moon and see her image. Mm. That's one of the legends. There are a bunch apparently for it, but I think that's the most prevalent legend. But So people will sit and look at the moon, but they also give mooncakes, which are like about as big as your palm. They're like a bread with something inside. Mm-hmm. The most traditional form is inside is like a bean paste, yeah. like a sweet bean paste with full egg yolks. Oh, wow. Yeah, like sugary egg yolks, and they're sugary and kind of salty, too. Interesting. Yeah, it's definitely... A lot of people really, really don't like mooncakes. I thought the ones we had, which were given to us by actually the security guard for our building, because I also tutor her son, they were pretty good. They're really, really rich, so I can only eat, like, half of one, but... Um. 
Seth demolished some of them. <laughs> there are a bunch of different kinds of mooncakes, though. Sometimes they're savory and salty. Sometimes they're sweet. I had one that tasted kind of like a Fig Newton. That sounds good. Maybe it was figs. It was really good. <laughs> they also give pomelos. Do you know pomelos? Grapefruits? Yeah, they're like really big grapefruits. Okay. Those are really good. Because they're... Why? Why do they give pomelos? Because they're large, round things like the moon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's really it's really nice, and people go home kind of like during Chuseok and see their families, and I think they don't do as much cleaning of the graves of the ancestors. I think that's more in, in the spring. The, in the spring, yeah. Yeah, there's a grave cleaning festival in the spring here, too. Well, it sounds like, I don't know, fall festivals have a lot to do with kind of reconnection and being grateful for what you have. And yeah, so that's really cool. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot of celebrating, celebrating of the past. Yeah. In fall festivals. I think the fall is just such a beautiful time. I love it. (laughs) Me too. We're missing it here in the tropics. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I think now it's time for our Lost in Translation. Lost in Translation. Yeah, um, this week actually I have a Lost in Translation moment. It's more of a weird cultural thing uh, that Rachel and I were talking about earlier. It's kind of unfortunate actually. My friend had a birthday party this past weekend and her friends threw her this big surprise party they booked out a bar they paid like maybe fifteen hundred dollars to book out the bar everybody paid some to help contribute to the party and the bar was supposed to be all ours and the manager of the bar knew that there were going to be a lot of foreigners at this big party so she called somebody she knew and she said there's going to be like a big party with a lot of foreigners give me like fifteen sixteen seventeen hundred dollars and you can come hang out you can like have a table you can smoke you can come hang out with all of these foreigners actually somebody couldn't come because she was pregnant and they weren't planning on smoking at this bar so the manager made like three thousand dollars that night on the bar or more and we shared the party with this big group of chinese people they hung out with all of these white people which is like a weird cultural phenomenon in asia Mm-hmm. that's true well it's really weird that i mean you booked it and then they were like okay it's booked and now let's book it to somebody else like yeah yeah I mean, I'm not sure exactly how it worked out, but if I knew that there was a party going on in a bar, then I would be like, oh, okay, no, I'm not going to, like, go hang out with this private party, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's weird. Yeah, and actually at the end, the police came. Really? Yeah, and they kicked us out. They kicked out the foreigners. As far as I can tell, there was no rowdiness, but there was, like, a little bit of hostile interactions, but it was just very odd, you know? Yeah, that's weird. Well, yeah, that's a kind of weird part of being a foreigner in Asia. Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, being around white people kind of elevates your status in society. And, you know, they probably took pictures. Yeah. With some friends, we dressed as ABBA. And we were on stage dancing to Dancing Queen. And, yeah, all of the people there were, like, filming it on their phones and taking pictures of it. So Like people that you didn't know. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. That would never fly in Europe. No. I mean, I remember being in Korea and almost always getting into clubs and things for free. Yeah. Because I was white. Mm Mm-hmm. And then there'd be a line, you know, all the Korean people are paying. And then it'd get to me and my, like, foreigner friends, my European friends. And they'd be like, oh, you guys can go in for free because it makes their club look good. Like, Mm -hmm. that's amazing. It's so messed up. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is messed up. I mean, it's a level of white privilege that you never would expect. Yeah, (laughs) it's weird. Yeah. But, I mean, there are pros and cons. Like, on one side, you get into clubs for free. You get a higher salary than than average in Asia. But on the other hand, you're kind of treated like an animal in a zoo sometimes, you know? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it was like that even when we got the perks. Like, it was like, all right, cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. Save 10 bucks. But then, like, everybody is, like, yeah, like, staring at you, trying to take your picture, trying to, like, hang out with you or something. Right. And it's not like they genuinely want to get to know you. They just really, I mean, in some cases they are really curious, but only on a very superficial level. Like, where are you from? America. Oh, America. New York. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's one of the things that I was prepared for coming here. Yeah. Having lived in Korea, I was prepared to go to a place and not expect too much out of the culture, like as far as people who want to connect with me. And actually, I've been pleasantly surprised that I've seen more people genuinely willing to connect in China than I did in Korea. Hmm. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Uh, Please give us your Lost in Translation moments, everybody, so that we don't only share our own. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'd love to hear from you and your Lost in Translation stories. Yeah, definitely. And you can also make sure you follow us on social media and subscribe to the podcast so you get new episodes as they come out. We are on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and we also have a blog that you can subscribe to. And please leave us a review. It just takes a minute, but it really helps people find us by increasing our visibility. So especially on iTunes, that would be really helpful. Yes, please. And make sure to tell your friends about it if you enjoy the podcast. Another way that podcasts spread is by word of mouth. Yeah. So our next episode is going to be about traveling jobs. Yeah. So tune into that. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Well, have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.